Hello, hello, and welcome to episode 18 of Prognotes. My name is Dustin. <laughs> and I'm Drew. And today we are listening to Pawn Hearts by Vandergroff Generator. If you've never listened to our show, Drew, you getting a kick out of that over there? We just started. I mean, I'm what's sorry, going on? Keep going. I'm sorry. All right. Keep doing the intro. <laughs> I'm sorry. If, you, if you've never listened to our show, we like to educate and hopefully inspire you to uncover and learn about this, about progressive rock by listening and talking about albums that you may have never heard of or want to learn more about. We have a big passion for progressive rock. We want to share that with you. And thank you for all of thank you to all of our listeners for tuning back in. And please subscribe to our podcast. You can always be notified when we launch a new episode. And so Vandergraaff Generator is a English progressive rock band formed in 1967 in Manchester by singer-songwriters Peter Hamill and Chris Judge Smith. Uh, they did not experience much commercial success in the UK, but they became popular in Italy during the 1970s. And, um, I mean, goodness, I just lost my place here. In 2005, band reformed, and they are still musically active. And so with Pond Hearts, Pond Hearts is the fourth album released by them in October 1st, 1971 on Charisma Records. The original album features just three tracks, including a sidelong, A Plague of Lighthouse Keepers. And the album was not commercially success in the UK, but reached number one in Italy. And it has since seen some retrospective critical praise and was reissued on CD in 2005 with some extra material. But we will only be talking about the three tracks that were part of the initial release. Uh, that track list includes the first song being Lemmings, Sitting at a uh, sitting at 11 minutes and 35 seconds, and the second song being "Man Erg," the song that we are currently listening to, sitting at 10 minutes and 19 seconds, and then the entire side two of the record sits at 23 minutes and four seconds, being a plague of lighthouse keepers. So, a uh, little bit on the, uh, I guess you could say uh, the the production of the of the record. Songs for the album were worked out while they were on tour in 1971 with further development and arranging their manager's house over a two-month period. Uh, the original plan had been to release more material, making a double album, but Charisma vetoed the idea, and a non-album non single, Theme One, was included on some releases in the U.S. and Canada. The album's strong commercial <laughs> showing in Italy resulted in a number of lucrative promotional tours there, but... The resulting pressure led to the band's brief split in August of 1972. So, uh, Drew, you're getting a kick out of that over there, aren't you? How <laughs> could I be free? <laughs> it's about it's coming up soon. So, I don't, oh my gosh! <laughs> I, there it is. I'm oh, sorry. Man. I'm so, sorry. Keep all right, going. All right. So the lineup, the lineup of Vandergraaff Jr. I got to get behind all the back history stuff, and then we'll jump into music here. <laughs> Because I don't think a whole lot of people know about this band or heard of this band, so we gotta give, gotta give some context here. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> so yes. the lineup of Vandergraaff Generator solidified in 1971 with Peter Hamill, on uh, who was the vocalist, acoustic guitar and piano, David Jackson on saxophone, Hugh Banton, which was the uh, organist and bassist, and then Guy Evans on drums. And the album also features our good friend Robert Fripp on electric guitar for all three songs. Uh, Robert Fripp, obviously, coming from, um, has done some stuff with Stephen Wilson, has done some stuff. Uh, obviously, he was from King Crimson. We've done some episodes on both of those bands, Porcupine Tree, uh, King Crimson. Go check out those episodes. Um, 
And so the band name was chosen from Smith's list based off of the Van de Graaff generator, which is this mechanical device that produces static electricity with lightning-like flashes. And uh, funny enough, Drew, the misspellings are accidental. Um, I thought that was kind of hilarious. He For what? The, the Van, Van de Graaff generator... Um, and and Van, the way that they spell their band name, they the Van Der Graf generator. So they they spell the band name Van Der Graf, and the actual device is Van De Graf with uh. two Fs. But the band only has one F in their name. So there's like they're missing an F. They they they're missing an F, and they added an R. Oh, I got you. Yeah, I, whatever. I, I you know. So, Whoa. So. Whoa. Uh, so, <laughs> Smith says that the reason for this may have been that the Van de Graaff died in 1967, which was widely reported in the media. And so, um, so that's a little bit of back history on the record. And uh, Drew, why don't you take it away with kind of the uh, the reviews of this record and and what everybody thought of this record? So, um, finding stuff from the period is a little difficult because this was not a huge hit in the uk right Right, as you mentioned earlier it was bigger in italy it was very big in italy actually yeah um reached number one uh for for italians but uh yeah uk wasn't very big which i think means that in the us it wasn't huge either ultimately and then okay so from from the time i think when it came out uh one person said, this is the best review. The best review I found. <laughs> Record Mirror Review says, I have to confess complete ignorance of precisely what Vandergraaff Generator are trying to achieve. Okay. And I love this <laughs> phrase because it kind of sums up my whole attitude towards this record. <laughs> um, finding stuff from the time... I, you know, exactly when it came out. I'm not exactly sure. Again, I, I didn't see too much on it. In retrospect, uh, Destin, you and I have found all all the Progophiles who have reviewed this record almost unanimously love this. They absolutely they love it. They consider it a masterpiece. Yeah. Um, and I mean, you know, I'm sure there are some people who don't contend the same thing. But for the most part, you know, when you go on forums and you see online, people are like, oh, yeah, this is a fantastic record, totally underrated. This is a masterpiece. This is amazing. This is like a spectacular record. You know, only if you're super artistic are you really going to get this. But once you do get it, it's amazing. It's like the best thing ever. Yep. And that was not my experience. I don't think it was your experience either. No. And and let's, yeah, I mean, let's go ahead and just just say it like, for some reason, for some reason, it looks like it seems like we are the only two people that did not like it. No, everybody no. else absolutely just roars over this record, like they're t- yeah. the way that they talk about it. So we are we are most certainly in the minority. This is, of course, this is the first time that we've listened to it coming onto the show. We listened to it for the show, and so we've probably taken at least seven, eight listens through the whole thing, both of us, and yeah. We just did not like it. Um, it's not the worst record I've ever heard, but I did not. 
I did not enjoy it. Is, is I tried. Uh, yeah, I mean, really, it's. I tried the last time before we did the show. The last time I listened to it, I was like, I'm really gonna try and listen and, and find some stuff. And and there is some stuff. Let's not just say that this is completely devoid of any merit. No, but at right. the same time, it is not a masterpiece. I would not. Let's put it that way. I would not call it a masterpiece. Yes, me neither. This, me neither. <laughs> but but let's. But we're also. I mean. You know, obviously, we're doing an episode. We're doing an episode on this record. We're not going to sit here and bash it for forty-five minutes. That's that's no. not what we're here to do. In fact, we know that we're in the minority, so we're going to take our own opinions lightly here, and we're just going to talk about it, our experience of it, and we're going to go through some of these reviews that we've read that were just, I mean, it's like the best thing since sliced bread, <laughs> and we're we're just gonna we're just gonna go through the reviews of what everybody else is talking about and what the hype is all about and you can either choose their side um if, if you've heard it or not or you can choose our side whatever go listen to it and and see what your opinion is but we're just going to state our opinion as um you know as we are in the minority here so we're, we're not trying to we're not going to bash the record for 45 minutes we're merely just going to share our opinion on it we know that everybody else loves it and we're going to talk about why other people like it and why we don't and we'll just <laughs> we're just gonna we're just gonna leave it at that yeah I'm, I'm gonna i'm gonna add some some brief reviews q magazine called the album a misunderstood masterpiece mojo said it was one of the most extraordinary albums of its era and then someone else has called the album a masterpiece again masterpiece is being thrown around masterpieces yeah oh yeah uh, Hamill, the, the writer, right? Yep. Peter Peter Hamill said, although a fairly extreme musical statement, the album contains some of our most cohesive work. And I'm thinking, okay, it's interesting you use the term cohesive. I could understand artistic or maybe valuable or insightful or something like that. Cohesive? Yeah. Having some type of unity or thread between the whole thing? No. I don't. I don't know about that. I don't know about that. No. It's very all over the place, and this is what I was. This is where we're. I, we'll, we'll start off with just personal first impressions. Yes, I, I I remember. Okay, so for fans who are listening, sometimes Dustin and I talk about it, the the album before we do the show, and sometimes it's completely going in blind. Like I don't know what Dustin's going to say, what yeah. he really thought of the record. So we we kind of fluctuate. This time we had to talk about it because I think both of us were just shocked about this. We were like, did you hear this? Yeah. So what I was telling him was, so the thing is, is that there's so much, it seems like there's so much chaos that there is nothing tangible to grab onto for me to identify each song. I don't know if that makes any sense. No, I completely agree. I completely agree. And, and, and to, and to springboard off of that, it, it's like, you know, each song is supposed to have an identity, right? And, and, and a placement on the record. Like there is a reason why it's there. You know what I mean? Right. And if, if it doesn't have a reason why it's there, it gets the, it gets nicknamed with filler track. Right. We've, right. I mean, we've probably, we've heard that phrase being thrown. Yeah. It's like, Oh yeah, we got the hit, we got a hit here. And then the rest are just filler tracks. Right. We, th- this whole thing just seems like a massive filler to me. Um, I can't, I, I can't pick out certain aspects of each song that, I, that I cling onto. It's just, it all seems like this one big blur. Yeah. That, that, that's what it seems like to me. I don't know if I would say it's all a bunch of filler because I can tell, that each section seems to be intentional. 
in the sense that that this guy definitely had an idea of what he wanted to do. This is so weird that I think he had a vision in mind, but it's just hard to understand what that vision was. Uh, I think at least to the casual listener. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, I don't know if I'd say filler, but it, yeah, it's just, I can't, I, I don't know. There's nothing to latch onto for me to understand and identify your message, whatever that yeah. is. Yeah. I think the so, biggest, I think the biggest thing of it was the, uh, and, or one of the biggest turnoffs to me personally was the vocals and the, the, the vocals of the album, you know, Peter Hamill is it's very, it's very operatic. Um, and yeah. uh, not not in the classic sense, but the, he has a lot of different voices um, that he's using, and that's cool. Like that's 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 awesome, and can be can be certainly appreciated. the The problem I had with it was it was just kind of annoying. I don't I don't know. Like it was yeah. Uh, I, I didn't it, the, the melody the melody combined the melodies combined with his vocal just his his timbre and his tone and and the way he's yeah. saying certain things i was like i just can't can't latch onto it it, it just yeah. didn't and it, it wasn't memorable to me and when the vocals weren't memorable i couldn't it it, make, it makes it hard to attach with something i mean it, i mean obviously the the only thing you have left is the music but it was just very difficult for me yeah i i think for me it's the timbre of his voice which is weird because usually that doesn't bother me, like you were saying on our very first episode. Like Rush, people get turned off right. by Getty's voice. I, you know, I can understand yeah. where you would. I didn't. Same with Peter Gabriel. Sometimes he has a little too, for some people, a, too charismatic of a voice, and it's kind of weird. And in, in yeah. some places, and he does the same thing. He does the same but thing. That's as Peter I don't know, you know what has, it like, is. Multiple voices and stuff right. like that. I don't know what it is, but I love Peter Gabriel's voice. I I cannot stand Peter Hamill's voice. I just can't do it. What I described him as. When I first heard this, it was like a blend of David Bowie and and Tiny yeah. Tim, Tiny Tim, <laughs> the guy who did the like SpongeBob song and the and it's like the, the one of the first episodes, the living in the sunlight, loving in the moonlight. You know, he had the ukulele. Yep, and he yep. like he what did he else do? He did the tiptoe through the tulips, like. <laughs> I get it. It sounded like a blend of those two. And in some respects, I really appreciate that he's theatrical with it. I I really appreciate, and I think I said this in the Selling England by the Pound episode we did, I really enjoy charisma and character in a singer's voice. And, um, you know, you find that with Peter Gabriel, even with Phil Collins uh, when he took over for Genesis, and a lot of prog groups, right? And yeah. that's one of the things I really enjoy. So I appreciate he has that, but it's the Tambora's voice. I, I, just because it's interesting doesn't mean it's enjoyable. I have found that yeah. out. I have found that yeah. out. Um, Most definitely. So that's what it was for me. I just could not stand his voice, though I did appreciate that he was doing something different uh, than some other singers. Um, and that, yes. You know, so... Um, I like that he, yeah, that he kind of decided to take on different characters and and have weird voice and inflections on certain things, but it 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 was not enjoyable. Um, 
you mentioned while we were talking about it at some point that it was ambitious for its time, which is true. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it, you know, it, it's like that's one thing I can give to it. It's it's definitely unique. And it, uh, taking into account that it was released in 1971. Right. Right. And, you know, there's there's certainly some elements of the music that are unique to Vandergroff. Right. Um, like there, there were there were a couple of th- like. You know what I mean? Like uh, with our last episode with the Gentle Giant, it's like we we described it as one of the songs as being quintessential prog. Like it was right. like yes, like this just sounds like a quintessential prog song. Um, this doesn't sound like quintessential prog. This is very. There's some things in this that I heard that I was like I'd have, I've never heard that before. Right. You know which that that's impressive. I mean, you know, hearing like all kinds of wide spectrums, at least for me, I mean, I've heard a lot of different stuff. And uh, t- for me to hear something that I've never heard before in the prog genre is uh, is impressive. Right. And uh, and I heard I heard some stuff like that. But the thing is, is that there were little bits and pieces like two minutes of this song, two minutes of that song, a minute of that song. Like there are there are certain parts of each song of, of, of all three of the songs that I'm like, this is a cool part. I like this, but it only lasts for two minutes, and then it goes right back to being, you know, lost right in in my mind. Yeah, and so, um, which I'm like, so it's, that's that's why it's not. That's why I didn't absolutely hate it, you know, because no, there are some cool I can riffs. Appreciate some of this. Yeah, there's some cool riffs and and stuff like that, and and uh, with the saxophones and um with with definitely a lot of the the studio manipulation you can tell that there's a lot of stuff that they did in studio that um took a long time so that's cool yeah i, I like it yeah but as as you know what i mean that's that stuff that can be appreciated that doesn't make me call it a masterpiece that right. just says i can appreciate it but it, you know i'm not going to call it a masterpiece because of that yeah it was yeah it, it's I, I see i like i like i like the the part that we just in the that was really cool and in a plague of lighthouse keepers i actually like it's where one of the few times i like when it gets kind of operatic and just very theatrical when it goes you know it's kind of speeds up a bit that's that that's one of my favorite parts of that too really awesome Yes. Yeah. 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 Yep. So yeah, we'll there, are parts, that there are parts later. that are cool about this, but I I really found it difficult to listen to this record. Um, yeah. Want to listen to this record? Uh, it was just it's just too much going on. Um, yeah. I think. And that's yeah. weird for me to say because I feel like a lot of other people who don't really like prog might say the same thing uh, about sure. other progressive rock groups that I really enjoy. Um, <clears throat> but anyways, uh, let's, let's listen to let's let's go into what everybody else is saying about it. Sure, you know let's sure. let's just like because you know we, we, I think our opinion on it, you know it that's 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 what we think. Yeah, right, but, right, right, right. Um, of course, let's, and uh, everyone... let's hear let's hear what everybody else is saying because everybody else is calling this thing a masterpiece. I here's my question: Why? Right, right. Why? What exactly about this is? And you'll see people like going into like track by track why it's so majestic and everything. So yeah. I mean, and everything's obviously subject to criticism, and everything's you know 
So this is one of those riffs that I like. Um, but yeah, I mean, they were innovative. Uh, they were innovative and, and very talented musicians. So I will give them that as well, which is another staple of Prague. It, you know, these yeah. musicians who are very, um, very, very competent and like to exhibit some virtuosity. So, uh, I, I will go in and say, well, here's, here's something that I thought was good. Just on the topic of his voice that we were just talking about, Peter Hamill's yeah. voice. Uh, this is for a, a writer for Prague folk. This is on Prague Archives. Also, by the way, Prague Archives, out of 2,117 ratings, the average score of this is 4.42 out of 5. That's pretty wow. high. That's pretty That's high really for high. over 2,000 people, and the average rating is 4.42 2,000 people the general public or 2,000 reviewers? Reviewers. and Like, like... In the oh public, gosh. yeah, like, what is it? 65% of them said that it was five out of five. 23% of them said it was four out of five. Wow. So that's a lot. That's over, what, 80, 88? 88% say it's over four out of five. It's four wow. out of five or more. Um, but he said, one of the one of the writers on there said, uh, Lemmings is one of my favorite tracks. It's 11 plus minutes. Has every chance to please any Prague head not allergic to that peculiar voice, which I mm. thought was great because uh, yep. it mentions his voice because he realizes that it's, you know. He knows it's different. It's it's out there. Um, but um, I'm sorry. There are just a bunch of reviews here. There's a lot to go into. Oh, I thought it was interesting also to say that it is number 26 on the Rolling Stones list of 50 greatest prog rock albums of all time. Good grief. Number 26. Um, that's, you know, uh, only one away from being half, you know. Yeah. From So I, I so what did someone in Rolling Stone say about this? They said, the third album by Vandergraaf Generator won over prog fans by featuring King Crimson guitarist Robert Fripp. Upon Hearts turned out to be a confusingly heady trip for even the most attentive listener. On Man Erg, singer slash idea machine, Peter Hamill showed off his operatic chops over processional keyboards and roller coaster drums, then yelled, How can I be free during a stampeding middle, middle section that evolves into six minutes of kiting stacks and keyboard abstraction? And here we go. This is an interesting phrase here. The 23 minute A Plague of Lighthouse Keepers makes King Crimson sound like the Ramones with its gaping, spacey interludes, free-blown solos, jarring shifts, and lyrics like, when you see the skeletons of sailing ships' spars sinking low, you'll begin to wonder if the points of all the ancient myths are solemnly directed straight at you. These guys tried to channel all the myths at once, making for music that was pure prog-id, minus any cohesion or concision to hamstring the majesty. So, oh I thought that God. was an interesting phrase. Minus any cohesion or concision. To yeah. hamstring the ma the majesty, basically saying, you know, there was no co cohesion or concision, and in his mind, that's a good thing. This writer says that's a good thing because it would have only watered it down, right? The majesty of this is that there is no cohesion or concision yeah. or conciseness at all. It's you know, kind like of. Uh, but that but that goes back to our same thing as just being. I mean, and, and of course, subjective here. But that goes back to the same thing that we were saying before: is like chaotic, that word that you used, right? To describe this, they're just chaotic, and that's you know, it's it's a balance. It's a balance. 
Yeah. Just like anything else, but. Yeah. Uh, very interesting. And I, I found a guy online who, we were talking about this right before the show started. This guy has a weird relationship with this album. <laughs> but I thought, no, I thought in the vein of reviewing, of criticism and like why it's so great. Um, actually, we found several weird reviews. Okay, yeah, let me put that out there. Because you might be thinking of the other one I was talking about where the guy makes no sense. No, this guy makes sense. But he's weirdly attracted to this record. I mean, I what enjoy... He, what does he say? Okay. All right. So first off, first off, you know how sometimes people will refer to inanimate objects and assign them a gender, right? Let's say yes. like a ship, like, oh, she's a mighty ship, right? Uh, you know, right. She, we're giving her all she's got, right? Or something like that. Yeah. Well, I've heard that and, you know, whatever, assign any gender you want, but be consistent because at the beginning, he says the first time I listened to this, she didn't impress me. She's like, oh, okay, cool. And then later he switches to he and I don't get it. There was no, there was no reason to switch. I, I just, I just want to be consistent. Just whatever you're doing, be consistent. <laughs> Why am I freaking out over this? I have no idea. Maybe I'm weird for thinking about this too much, but whatever. Anyways, at first he says that he didn't really like it. Uh-huh. Um, uh, he said at first, um, I can only recall one feeling. It's anxiety. I'll be honest. No album has ever done me the same as Pawn hearts. None of them has to, de- God, this is so – he's so dramatic with this. And you know what? That fits with the with the, with that the, fits with the whole thing. With yes. the tone of this record. It's a yes. very overdramatic record. Overdramatic. I had, friend, yeah. I had a friend in film school who would joke uh, – like they would make fun of me because I would always – whenever we watched a film that was like overdramatic, I would say it's a little melodramatic. She actually made me a shirt that says that on that because apparently I said that so much. I was like, mm, it's a little melodramatic. And she was just, gosh, she thought that was hilarious. And she was like, I got to get you a shirt with that on it because that's like your thing. That's like the main <laughs> critique about any film. And I'm like, mm, yeah, okay, yeah, I'll give you that. Um, but <laughs> he said, uh, I'll be honest, no, no album has ever done me the same as Pawn Hearts. None of them has so depressed me, ruined me, and absorbed me. I must admit, however, that this took some time. Pawn Hearts was the first album of Vandergraaff Generator that I used. After the first listening, she didn't impress me so much. I found it too contrived and chaotic. Okay, on the same page here. Okay, we're on the uh, same page, yeah. But uh, but he enjoyed the other albums. And another album that Vandergraaff did was called H to He, Who Am the Only One. I think that's also, the first one. I think that's their first record. Also, what a mouthful. And I know, yeah. This is this oh, the other thing. I'm sorry. This is just going to be a free form episode. I'm just going to put it out there. This is. I told you earlier, Destiny. This is the album that gives prog rock that pretentious connotation, that pretentious cloak. Yeah. I'll be honest. I, I guess. I guess I'm a bit more pretentious than I like to admit. Um. <laughs> but I. I never like when I was listening to a lot of the classic prog pioneers and legends even king crimson and everything i never really got this air of pretentiousness yeah sure some of the lyrics were intellectual some of it was highbrow but it still seems rock it still seemed relatable in a lot of ways sure yeah and this is that one thing that is not relatable this record that i found i don't find i just find it very overdramatic and as i said earlier and very highbrow um 
and, and I, I just didn't get it. Maybe that's part of my frustration is that I just didn't get it. I don't know. Yeah, but I don't, I don't know. I mean, it's, it's, it's got so many different things. God, this part right here. Yeah, like this weird like chorus in the background of it's, falsetto and children? Question mark. It sounds like, like children. Has, I don't, I don't understand. But either way, it's yeah. Like uh, some here of, we go. Then, he, then he, then he starts to say that he got to know it a little bit better, right? I, I knew when to expect certain hits and certain parts of the song. I started to understand the structure of Pawn Hearts. I gradually got to know him. I learned. <laughs> Wait, hold on, hold on. Is, is he referring to him as Peter Hamill? No, I think he's talking to Pawn Hearts. If we're looking at the structure of the sentence, yeah. No, he's not referring. Okay, so switching he genders here. Peter Moving Hamill on. in this paragraph at all. Okay, yeah, Anyways. so, okay. All right. Finally, here we go. This is the overdramatic review. Finally, this extraordinary day came. Pawn Hearts destroyed me for the first time. Finally, I really managed to hear this music. Feel it. Harness it. I was swept away. The plague of lighthouse keepers made me clean. Holy sh... I'm sorry. That... That's just I don't <laughs> that's, that's a crazy spread crazy on the phrase. walls, spread on the walls, and at the end of the day, pushed everything back into me without order and left me in total agony. <laughs> I still often reach for a plastic box on my shelf with an anointing. I am what plastic box. I am constantly rediscovering Pawn Hearts, exploring his majesty, researching and emphasizing. There is really something to study because it is difficult to find a more mysterious work. Um, I just want to go in and say that this was just the pretext of the review. This yeah, was I, the, the beginning <laughs> section, and then he goes into every single track, and then he has a conclusion. That's just the beginning, guys. Yeah, and that's not the only one. Here's here's another one. Here's another one. This is this is from Classic Rock Review. Now for my favorite part: the music. The album is comprised of two longer pieces, 11 minutes and 10 minutes, with the massive 23-minute multi-movement suite A Plague of Lighthouse Keepers as the centerpiece. The music is, for the most part, harsh and unyielding with only the briefest moments of reprieve. Hugh's alternatively twisted and churchy organ really drive each, drives each piece along, with Dave's angular and jagged sax work slashing through each piece like so many shards of broken glass. This is like he's like the reviewers are like really trying to like impress their high school lit teacher. Not, yeah. It, that's just what it feels like when I read some of this stuff. Here, check this out. Look at this. This is the next sentence. Okay. Maybe that last bit was a little over the top. No, no, but look at this. But it is not far from the truth. Although the music is very heavy, there are a few quieter and haunting moments. The introductory to Man Ur comes to the mind as the best example. Although those moments, albeit fleeting moments, are pretty much scattered across the album. Last but not least is Peter Hamill's incredible and very distinctive vocal delivery. He had developed a vocal style over the course of three albums that range from heavy metal rasp to high-pitched false, high falsetto, quote-unquote, choir boy vocal style and is brought to the perfection on this album. You see, I, I, I'm not going to say I totally disagree with that. Um, it's impressive what he can do with his voice. That it's, yeah, it's I agree. chaotic. It's still obnoxious, though. That yeah. <laughs> but he, do, he does... If that's your thing, I mean, his his the way he can manipulate his voice, I will give him credit for that. That's it's very impressive. Certainly, 
Um, and for what you're going for, for this very artistic kind of out there thing with these high concepts and what, lots of characters and lots of references, yeah, that works for it. Yeah, so it seems um, like I mean, it seems like these guys though. I mean, they're they're like, there's so much, like, it's weird. There's so many metaphors and all of these, and and it, I just don't understand. Yeah. I don't understand like the people who are reviewing these. Again, these are the people that are saying that these album that this album is a masterpiece. Right? Well, I mean, that, I'm that word's getting that, thrown around everywhere. Yeah, I'm guessing that these people had a legitimately transformative experience with this album. And I get that. Maybe I shouldn't be so harsh. That's how it was with Dark Side for me. When I heard Dark Side of the Moon, yeah. a lot of my like just complete perception of music was very different. Yeah. And so I get it. This <laughs> like listen to what we're listening to. Yeah, I, yeah. But like it's just overdramatic. It's just everywhere, man. Yeah. Um, because the vo the vocal, like it's it's not like it's a, it's weird. It's not like it's used as a tool. Like he doesn't. It's not like his voice, and then he uses the operatic right. and the other stuff as a tool of his voice. Right, it, right, right. That is his voice. His voice is the overdramatic operatic character, at least on this record. Granted, I've never heard. Right. I haven't heard the other ones, so I don't know what the other ones are like. But he like right. He went all out with the with the the characters and the voices and stuff on this album and it's like it's distracting it's yeah distracting like it's distracting from a lot of the other pieces i i agree the other elements in play with the music i think yeah yeah it's just interesting but here go, go to another go to another review because yeah uh <laughs> um i i I, maybe it's too soon. Maybe we should end the episode. <laughs> There's one review that I showed Destin that it doesn't make really a lot of sense to me. This guy is all over, uh, like at first seeming kind of, I don't know, like when you're writing academically a lot of the times, which a lot of people do when they write uh, reviews about progressive rock and specifically I found with this record. You, you tend to have, yes, your own input. It's a review. Yeah. But you seem kind of out of place. And a lot of the times you don't use a first-person point of view or whatever. Well, this guy weirdly mixes, like, a lot of personalization. A lot of, like, hey, I something. While still trying to make a lot of literary and obscure references. Some type of, you know, scholastic reference. Yeah. Right, that you don't really employ in everyday conversation, but th this was a bizarre review. I could yeah. not understand a fair chunk of what he was trying to say. Some of it was very intellectual. Some of it, I'll be honest, was over my head. And then he'll switch to like this weird point of view, and he'll use terms that I'm like, okay, I I, I have never ever heard of this. It's either slang, or you're making a reference that I've just never ever heard um i'll 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 go into yeah, bring it up bring it up to a section here he starts off by saying but enough let's get back to the album of the month action after all the decision was made to shine the spotlight on this sucker oh man so just what is it that makes pawn heart so amazing well listen and see what you think for a start it's the beginning of Peter Hamill's bizarre but successful artistic cohabitation with himself. He's not singing about anyone else but himself. Yet the duets he does with himself actually sound like there's a bunch of other singers in there too. Great. 
When Hamill talks about waiting, <laughs> when Hamill talks about waiting for his savior, he seems to mean the castrated Addis as much as Jesus the pastor. His goddess seems to be both Sybil and the Virgin. He's like a newly Christianized Saxon, still waiting to invoke Woden. Does he mean Odin? Odin? I don't know. Woden. Odin. When he that's <laughs> how he spelled it. Um, when he has to make the journey, but content with the shiny guy for ninety percent of the daytime. What? The, what? 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 I don't understand. Okay, Hamill's a river traveler and a pastoralist, a bringer and a revealer, a giant and a flea, and the most misunderstood man in rock and roll. <laughs> a Kim Fowlian Loki, bound by his accent and an inability rather than a refusal to change it. Look at the gatefold sleeve, and that about sums it up. Four makeshift fascistic footballers in black shirts and white ties and a post-psychedelic, super-realist Narnia. Give C.S. Lewis a, give CS a kick while it, from me while you're there, Pete, will ya? Oh, what? Oh, my... That's just one paragraph. Oh, hold on. I'm going to keep going because this is, this is an experience just to read this. <laughs> Lemmings opens the LP, drifting in on a sweet-voiced acoustics and Mellotron 400 flutes before a sarcastic... I'm sorry, I can't pronounce this. Ut nap Napishtism? Okay. Up, uh, sure. Uh, Napishtism. Okay. Saxophone tells you it's the effing epic of Gilgamesh. And those effing stone things are broken in all caps. Ararat, or Ararat, is submerged and the last temples of... Urartu? What? Urartu? We'll never see another fire ritual. The difference between this LP and their previous effort, quote unquote, is the difference between the world of David Bowie and Ziggy Stardust without any of the graduations in between. In one fell swoop, Hamill has leapfrogged several stages of humanity and clawed, nay, bestrode his way up onto Yahweh's what? Hold on, what hold the on. Hell? What? own volcano and dumped his own hand-scribed tablets of demands down the god's own smokestack. <laughs> What is this guy saying? What? Hold on, hold on, hold on. Wait. What are you saying? This is, this is some imagery right here. There is some strong imagery. This is coming dense. from this. This is dense. Oh man, I can't. I don't even know what to say to that. No, I have no idea what to get out of this. And usually, even when I was reading stuff in college that was from academic journals that was over my head, I could kind of follow along. At the very least, be like, mm, I didn't get that sentence, but the rest of this, I kind of understand. This is all over, man. This is all over. Like, he's putting in way too many references. These are so many references packed into yeah, like a I, couple of sentences, and they, there's no connection I between just don't any understand. of these. Like, here's, here's what's funny too: is like every single one of these reviews are like this. Never, never. I can't say all. I can't say. <laughs> I can't say that. I can, oh, no. But, like, this one's special. Yeah, this, this one is like, so this special. Is the, top of the top right here, like this, this is this. That one's the top <laughs> of the top. When we found that one, I was like, "What is what?" But like, it. it I, just, I don't it just understand, Destin. It just doesn't make any sense. It just doesn't make Destin, any sense. Destin, save me yeah, from I, this I, review. I, I don't know. I don't know. I got. You know what? I've gotten more. I've gotten. I've been transformed more by these reviews Music than the actual <laughs> substance that they are reviewing. This is this is really taking me on a wild effing it's, it's, ride, it's Destin. Bizarre. It's these reviews. Bizarre. Here's check this out. 
uh, are more... I, got, I got another one here for you. This is actually coming from um, uh, it's called it's called it's weird. It's called SymphonicProgReview.com, which is interesting because this is definitely not some whatever. Anyway, so the guy that was reviewing this, this is this is part of. He starts off with the, it, it, literally. It's so funny. Here's the very first sentence. Here's the very first sentence of this review. I had a revelation about album this morning. <laughs> and I was like, and as soon as he said, I was like, here we go. Oh, he goes, shoot. He goes, he goes on into the next part of it, right? <laughs> and he says, you know, he's going, he's go, so he goes through the first song, the second song, and then, he, and then he ends up at the Plague of Lighthouse Keepers, right? Right, the big epic. This, yes. And he's like, this brings us to the final song, the masterful epic, A Plague of Lighthouse Keepers. He's one of the few people in Germany not yet a Nazi, and he is thus a beacon of light and humanity amidst the raging sea. Thus, he is a lighthouse keeper. He guides people in from the sea to the land, but there is no one for him to show the way to. There are no ships trying to overcome Hitler's propaganda in the sea of Nazism. His conflicting emotions come to a full force, a raging battle in his mind. He has two options. Either he can remain the lighthouse keeper, never used and never seemingly worthwhile, or he can jump. He can leave his lighthouse and enter the sea, joining the lemmings and he was and he was just recently condemning. He can remain pure and lose, or he can sacrifice his dignity and win. Shoot. So here's I, the deal. What is uh, here's the deal. I, I I've much. actually analyzed some of the not analyzed, sorry. I, I can't make heads or tail of this. But I, the, the guy who was really invested in this record and had a weirdly personal transformative experience with this record, um, he actually goes into some of this stuff. And I thought when he was analyzing each of the records track by track, it was pretty interesting because Destin, in Lenin's, he mentions Nazism too. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah, so yeah. This, I think this is a separate reviewer. I, I think, you know, the one you just cited was it was not the same one as mine it's not i i don't think so uh because my reviewer does not say that about plague of lighthouse keepers but he does about lemmings he mentions despite the rather universal tone of the text in the light of the thesis about the links between the album pawn hearts and the subject of nazism it is impossible not to have any associations with the national socialism movement and the activity of for example national militias on the occasion of lemmings it's possible that the lemmings of the title are in fact Hitler's henchmen attracted by propaganda, pushed by ideology and social pressure to commit crimes and corruption. So I guess there are some parallels. People saw some parallels between this and, um, you know, Hitler, Hitler and his yeah. party. And uh, I don't think it ever mentions it in the lyrics um, I blatantly. Yeah, blatantly, I it doesn't say anything about Hitler. I mean, or I don't think there's anything blatantly said in the lyrics. But about Nazism or yeah. or nationalism or anything uh, blatantly, but uh, I, I think I guess you could hear. Oof, and this section, I know oof. I can't. Yeah, I'm sorry. I'm, I'm see, sorry. That's, see, this is just the thing. This is the thing. Like <laughs> this is this is just it. it, it you know, this I, oh, man. Here's here's what I'm coming from. This like you know we're reading all of these reviews. All of these are. I mean, we probably sourced at least like seven or eight reviews. And all of them seem like these just like highbrow English teachers or like, yeah. Yeah. you know what I mean? Like your AP literature teacher or something like that. It's like this, it's just not a, 
You know what? You know what? This this is like my dinner with Andre. <laughs> See, but I actually like that movie. <laughs> you know, it's like there. It's but it's so. It's so. It's you know. Too you know much. why I like my dinner point. with Andre though is because. There's there's that other side of it, like that Andre himself is seems kind of pretentious and is talking about this like experience he had and now he's trying to like live his life in a different way. And Wallace Shawn's character, I forget the character's name, it's been a yeah, long time since I've seen it. He is the grounded character. He's the one who's like, Yeah, I'm still part of society though, and what you're saying is weird and doesn't work in our society. Right? Right. You know, when he's talking about like I'm gonna Anyways, we don't have to get into the movie too much. But I think why that movie works is, yes, it's philosophical and kind of highbrow. But Wallace Shawn's character, again, kind of adds that element of reality to it. Yes. And you know what? I've said this about film, and I think I would apply it to music as well. I think good pieces of art have, for me, this is me personally. Again, art is subjective. For me, is a good balance, a good blend Most between certainly. something not realistic, right? Something not too gritty and 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 boring because yes you know that's part of the reason why i watch art i want to look at things outside of my own life or the day-to-day -day. yeah but it also has that element of realism it's a good balance between realism both. or, or, or rela and, relationship right you know what i mean right something that you can relate to exactly yes right so so a, a good uh, you know great films do that and uh this just doesn't have anything to keep it grounded yes i think yeah. that is grounded a big, the that would be my with. thesis of this record and my big overall conclusion as well that I would restate at the end of my pretentious essay would be that there's there's nothing in here to keep this album grounded. Yeah. And they I think it suffers from that in my personal opinion. When when you let the, when you let it go and just let it just do whatever it wants and you, and you 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 just have no structure, no th I mean that probably I mean there was an idea but ideas can be very, very scattered. Right. You know, there's got to be there's got to be some sort of structure. It's, I mean, that's with everything. You know, if if you can't right. have a plan, or you know, a plan without a plan is is just it's it's a failure. Right. It, it just doesn't right. work. And that's what the, that's well, what I get from this. I just can't. And I'll, nothing to ground it. Well, I'll tell you when I start reading kind of the concept, but behind these lyrics and what he was trying to envision, I like the idea. The lighthouse keeper, I like that idea. I like that idea of him being secluded and wondering if he should join, you know, be happy joining them because he's doomed, knowing, you know, from what I got at least in that, the, the concept between that song was that he's. He's this guy with all this knowledge, kind of like the fool on the hill, Paul McCartney, yeah. you know, the Beatles song, the fool on the hill on Magical Mystery Tour. Like, like they're the fools, right? But it's like, okay, do I enjoy the fact that I know the reality or should I join them and be blissfully ignorant, yeah. right? But how can I join them when I have this knowledge that it's actually the wrong way or blah, blah, blah. I like that struggle. I like that idea. And I, I think... Again, the the idea was great. It had a lot of potential, I just, and it just went too far. Yeah, it just went too far and was like, I can't, I don't understand this. Yeah, I mean, when listening to it, and and that's another thing too, is that it makes it very, very difficult for you to be able to hear the vocals, like what he's saying, because a, it's distracting in my opinion, but also just with all of the all of the voices and the harmonies and stuff like that, it, it's it's very hard to actually like 
you have to focus to listen to the lyrics. Honestly, a yes. little too much. You have to be like, okay, I ha I'm just going to try and listen to, because there's so many other things going on. It's like, oh, I'm going to yeah. try and listen to what he is saying so I can pick up on what this is about. And that, that makes it so difficult. I just didn't understand it. And so it just went right over my head. Like all the idea, all of whatever he was trying to do went right over my head. But that's what everybody else was saying is that people, got, you know, people, quote unquote, got it. And that's why they, you know, yeah. they're saying that this thing is a masterpiece because, you know, they, and, and that's another thing, a common thing that I found as well is that people did not like it the first couple of times they heard it. Well, right. And I, you know, that's happened with me. That's happened with me a lot of times. The more you listen to it, the more yeah. you maybe get it, the more you like it, the more, but I never broke the wall. I never got past that level of like, oh, now I get it. And I don't know if I ever will. I think yeah. it's one of those things where you get it or you don't. You know, give it a couple listens. Yeah. Maybe you'll get it. I don't know. Um, we were not huge fans of this, but it was, it was entertaining. It was entertaining it just to see what people said about this and everything. Um, yeah, but I mean, and and and, uh, and pushing beyond that, even just outside like the the philosophical, the lyrical, or whatever, um, in the studio with Plague of Lighthouse Keepers, it's actually I actually got some interesting interesting material on this. Um, the way that it was it was recorded at intervals between gigs and but the whole thing was recorded in small sections that were then pieced together during mixing it took about three to four months to record non-continuous and check this out according to the producer john anthony the track features a lot more studio experimentation than their previous albums saying quote we pushed the facilities at trident to the limit and had involved the use of every single tape machine in trident at some stage the experiments, in quote, the experiments included tape manipulation, Hugh Banton uh, experimenting with the Mellotron and synthesizers. And according to the saxophone player, David Jackson, one section of that song features the entire band overdubbed 16 times. Ooh. And, and so, like, you know what I mean? Like, they were committed to this. Oh, yeah. They were committed to this idea. They, they thought, we were like, we're doing this. I mean, to overdub the entire band 16 times, is that's a lot of crap. There's a lot of stuff going on oh, yeah. there. Um, yeah. No, Robert I, Fripp, and I was going to add the last thing, is just Robert Fripp is actually um, in eight, around the eight-minute to ten-minute mark of that song, and, uh, or, and, and also near the end of the song. But another thing, too, is like I've always wondered what his um, – like, what did he add? And I, I looked up some stuff, like, with Robert Fripp. Did he write some of this stuff? Did he put it? But it, it seems like, from what I found online, that he was just told what to play. And he right. and he just played it. Interesting. Um, so I, don't think, I don't think that he added a whole lot of creative content to the record. Um, I think if it did, it would have been a little bit different because Robert Fripp is a very interesting guitar player. Um, but either way, I, I thought that was interesting that just that overdubbed 16 times and they were pushing stuff and pushing stuff, which, you know, reminds me of a lot of other bands around that time. So, um, they were 100% committed to the idea. Yeah, absolutely. And I like that, that sense of experimentation and being progressive, quote unquote, and wanting to push the envelope and adding, and you know, they were progressive rock. They absolutely were. They, they had a lot of elements that a lot of other prog bands at that time and the pioneers were, were employing. <clears throat> and use the new thing. So th this this album is not without merit. It's just with how dramatic it is, it's uh, to me a little comical. But that's that's me. Um, yep. 
But but everybody else says, or not everybody, but a lot of <laughs> a lot of other people are saying that it's 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 an absolute masterpiece. Right. They you know they they have revelations and experiences, yeah. and it takes you on this journey and stuff like that. And it's just uh, a little little too much for us. Um, but either way, you can give it a listen and find out. I have uh, one little bit here. This is interesting. Um, the of, of a plague of lighthouse keepers. Um, Porcupine Tree band that we've already done an album before. They did a record called uh, what is it? Voyage Thirty Four, which was this like very psychedelic um, concept album that they did, and um, it was interesting. I was listening to I was listening to part of this song. I was listening to Plague of Lighthouse Keepers, and around like the two minute mark, three minute mark, there was this riff. There was like this flute that came in and came into the song, and I was like, "That is familiar. What is that?" and after doing some searching, I found out, I was like, oh my gosh, it's from this Stephen Wilson song. I created this little bit. Check this out. This is Plague of Lighthouse Keepers. Um, listen, listen to this section. So that's that flute part that I was talking about. Which is really cool, by the way. And so this is Porcupine Trees, phase one. So anyway, I thought that was interesting. It's like it's it's 100% sampled on the album, and uh, it's I just find it interesting that uh, band like Porcupine Tree sampled song by Vandergraaff Generator. Yeah, and uh, and threw it and threw it in there some of the music. But I heard that I was like, that is so weird. It was so interesting. But yeah, it's a straight straight sample taken from it. Yeah. So and. Uh, it's really interesting, really unique. I'm, I'm just surprised. It was, it's just fun to make those connections, like with Robert Fripp being on the record. Oh yeah, no, for sure. Like Robert Fripp being on that record, but oh well. Either way, do you have any final thoughts on this thing before we let everybody go? Mm, I actually have a lot, but you know we're running close on time, so uh, <laughs> I'm just there's something else. Man. <laughs> uh, Here's I guess I guess we could sum it this way, like. Give it, give it a listen or two. Probably give it at least three in order to develop a pretty solid opinion, and see see which way you side. Is it like, is it something that it's it's an experience? Do you side with? It's it's a total masterpiece. It's it's got so many different elements, and it's very, um, uh, just intellectual, and that can be appreciated. Or is it a little uh, over dramatic and uh, a little comical, as as Drew said? So listen, man, I don't know. I I don't know, man. I, I, I don't know. Either way, well, <laughs> that's this is our episode on on the Pawn Hearts by Vandergraaff Generator. We both like to thank you guys for listening to the podcast. These are our prog notes. 
If you enjoyed the episode, learned something new from the episode, please subscribe and share. You can also follow us on Instagram at prog underscore notes. You can also email us at prognotespodcast at gmail.com. We appreciate all feedback and or comments. Also, please leave us a review if you liked or disliked the show on any of your listening platforms. And Drew, what is the next episode's album? The next episode's album is Shrine of New Generation Slaves by Riverside. So this is something that you know and that I don't. So this will be my first time listening to it. You'll, yes. And you'll know it. Yeah, it's it's probably uh, it's probably my top 10 albums of the year that I have found. Ooh. And uh, I love it. Yeah, I love I love that album. So and it's a Polish band. I don't think we've done anything with no, a Polish. No, band. we have not. So that'll that'll be cool. And it's a little bit more modern than something like this. I think it was 2013 yeah. when that album came out. This was Pond Hearts it was 1971. So we're jumping a couple of decades up. Yeah. So um, join us next time as we discover the past, present, and future of Prague Rock. We're going to end the episode today with the very first song in the album called Lemmings. We'll see you guys next time. Thanks.
the hope of saving us.